Well, it's good to see you here today. If y'all have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 12. And uh, we're going to continue on in this study. I want to apologize. I failed to uh, mention last week that um, we do something every year for our, our first responders in this area. And, and we did it last weekend as well. I'm so thankful for our outreach director, Brother Gary Bates and uh, Brother Bobby Carr. And uh, they, they get together and they prepare some barbecued uh, meals and deliver them to Saginaw Fire and Saginaw Police Department and also uh, Fort Worth Fire, not all Fort Worth Fire and Police Departments, but the ones here close by. And just uh, our church's way to say thank you. We appreciate y'all and 9-11, uh, you know, remembering what uh, happened and how many lives were lost and how, much how many sacrifices were made. And uh, those, the, those men and women serve our community and they serve it with excellence. And we're so thankful for our, our, our policemen and our firefighters and our paramedics, first responders, just so thankful for them. And again, that's what our, one of the things our church does uh, to just say thank you to those men and women uh, in our area. So again, thank you to those, those men and those people preparing uh, those meals and delivering those as well. Um, we, we're, we're going through this study and last week we got the first, the first point, which has happened before, uh, get going in, in, in the, the Word of God. And uh, don't get through all of it. So we're going to pick that up again this week. If you're on the sermon PDF app, it's, it's 44B. There's also uh, paper notes in the back on the back table if you wanted to follow along in the notes. But last week I shared that first point that uh, God is God. And uh, then I also shared 10 truths that will help us remember and not only that God is God, but also intentionally keep this eternal perspective uh, in the midst of even the greatest of trials that we have on this earth. And so in the notes, there were 10 things, and it's not an exhaustive list, just 10 simple things that remind us that we're going to go through trials, that we're going to face difficulty, that we're going to experience loss, that there's going to be all these things, but none of the things that we face in this world change the fact that God is God. And again, we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to wash ourselves over every single day, being renewed uh, in our mind. We need to uh, be, be uh, putting on Christ every day, putting off the old man. And what we've seen in this study in Acts chapter 12 is James, the, uh, the brother of John, the, the two brothers, the sons of uh, Zebedee, or the sons of thunder as they were called. Uh, James has been martyred. And uh, Herod was making a spectacle of him, and he intended to do the same exact thing of Peter, the leader of, of the apostles, if you will. And he gets imprisoned. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so he wasn't going to kill another apostle during that feast because uh, he was vying for the Jews' uh, population. He wanted to be popular among the Jews. He wanted them to like him. He wanted to have favor with them so that he kept his position and favor with Rome because he had already made a mess with his relationship with Rome. And so now he is trying to please the Jews by keeping Peter in prison. And just, uh, again, uh, just a reminder on that, that's kind of where we got those, those points was James gets killed, but Peter gets imprisoned. And some people may ask the question, well, why did Peter not, why did Peter not get killed at this point and James get imprisoned? You know, we can ask those questions. We can wonder about why things happen that way. But it reminded us, again, that God never stopped being God when James was killed. God never stopped being God whenever Peter was imprisoned a second time. And he doesn't stop being God in any of our difficulty. And I wanna, I wanna remind you of that, I wanna encourage you that. When you're, when you're watching the news, when you're talking to people at work, when you're, when you're getting discouraged and you feel like there's nothing but bad news, nothing but junk that's in our world, remember 
God has not, not stopped being God. There's not any point in our life, no point in our, in our nation that God messed up or something slipped by God in our nation. Oh, wow, that got by me. God doesn't do that. God, God knows what's going on. And, and even though we, in our limited understanding and limited perspective, right, we have this window that we call time. We have this window that we call our life. And for some of us, it's been 60, 70, maybe some in here 80 years old. But for most of us, it's been a few decades, right? 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's a small window when you compare that to eternity. So God has his plan that's eternal. And it has to do with us, that is the, the, and, and we're governed by time. And so we need to remember that as we're walking through this life, we would be wise to submit to God, to trust his plan, to trust his wisdom, remembering that he is God, even in our difficulty. And so I want to pray this morning, and we're going to move forward and hopefully get these last two points, and we don't have to have 44C in our notes. <laughs> so let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do in our lives, and thank you for what we've already experienced, Lord, we, we're so thankful for your love, thankful that we can trust you, thankful that you are our God. And Lord, I pray that you would um, help us now to receive your word. I pray your spirit would move um, in this place as we've been praying since early this morning. God, that you would not only make your presence felt, but God, you would move in the hearts of every person here. Lord, whatever the need is, if, if somebody's here and they're lost, they're still living in their sin. They're still under the condemnation that that sin has placed in their life. They're still facing judgment and an eternal judgment from you. Unless they turn from that sin and turn to you in faith. Lord, if there's somebody here like that, I pray they would understand your great love for them and that you sent your son to die on the cross for their sins. To pay the penalty that each one of us deserved to pay, but you paid it in our behalf. Or that not only did Jesus come and die on the cross for our sins, but he rose again the third day. And with this amazing power that you raised him from the dead, you can still change our lives and save lives today. God, if there's somebody who has not surrendered their life to you, trusting the, that truth, I pray you do that before they leave here. And again, for those of us who have experienced that resurrecting power, uh, that we would yield to your spirit as you teach us, that your word would go forth and accomplish what you intended to accomplish. Lord, we pray for this and pray that you'd be glorified in this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I just want to say, too, um, as, as I mentioned before, whenever we go through circumstances, we can become very um, emotional. And I would even say that the word is hyper-emotional, right? Something devastating, something tragic, something life-shaking, something altering in, in our life happens, and, and all of a sudden, we become hyper-emotional. Uh, and and, and it's, it's, it's a real, it's a human tendency from all of us to, to start making decisions and start thinking according to how we feel. Uh, versus basing our decisions and our thought process on the Word of God. And again, that's what we were talking about last week, is trying to maintain this eternal perspective regardless of what we're going through. It doesn't mean that we suppress our feelings. It doesn't mean that we are numb to emotion. It doesn't mean that we are ignoring those things and, and, and just try to disregard what real feelings we're having. It's not that at all. It's what we choose to listen to and what we choose to follow in the midst of the difficulty. So when we're going through a difficult time, we can say, oh my goodness, everything's falling apart. Everybody's getting, everybody's, every, everybody's dip, trying, every, everything's going wrong. Our world is falling apart. Our nation's crumbling. Oh, it's, it's you know, tragic. And we can go all those, all those ways and just make all these emotional uh, decisions in that emotional state. But I believe that would be, and that is, a, a foolish path to go down. 
whenever God has preserved his word for us, as, as um, Jesus gave to the disciples the, the pattern of what, what prayer should look like, in that pattern of prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he says this, give us this day our daily bread. And as he did for the Israelites in the wilderness, providing for them daily manna, daily bread, his word is available for us. And more important than earthly food is spiritual food. And so he gives us his word to turn to him every day, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, to, to make sure that we are, we, are, we are reminding ourselves every day of the words of God. And so it's vital that we remember the words of our Lord. I, I want to encourage you, if you got those notes, those paper notes, or you, that, that PDF group on, on planning center, on church center, um, look at those 10 things. Read those scriptures that are listed there. These are realities. They should not only remind us, they should encourage us as we do navigate a life that's full of trials and troubles. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know 100% that, that we could go around this room and the majority of the people in here say, I'm dealing with something. I'm dealing with something. Whether it's internal, whether it's something in your own thought process, your own you know, uh, spiritual struggle, or whether it's relational, whether it's about your health, whether it's about worry, or your job, or, or your kids, or your grandkids. All of us are, are dealing with a certain amount of weight, burden, struggle, trial, trouble, whatever you want to call it. And again, it's vital that we remind ourselves of the truths of God's Word. We know we're living in the, in the time uh, that the world calls a pandemic, but I want to encourage you again, this is nothing new to God. This is nothing new to the church. The church has gone through pandemics and time passed before. And we have been called to be the church regardless of what we go through on this earth. And so while we don't love sickness and we don't love death, the Apostle Paul even said that. It's not that I want to die. It's not that I want to put off this earthly body. But I have a greater desire to put on the heavenly body that God's preparing for me. There's a, there's a greater desire. It's not that I, I'm looking forward to, 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 to drowning to death or to, to getting in a car accident. What a tragic weekend it was that I heard about these, these kids dying in these car accidents. It's heartbreaking. Tragic. But another reminder that this life is not guaranteed from one moment to the next. You don't have to be 60, 70, 80 years old and, and catch a sickness and die. You can be a teenager and have a head-on collision. And one minute, one minute here on this earth, and next minute in eternity. So we don't love sickness and death, and we don't love persecution and trials, which I don't know that very many of us in here know exactly what persecution uh, and trials that result because of the persecution look like. Some may absolutely do. But Jesus, our Lord, our God, said that we would live on this earth full of them. We would live on this earth full of tribulation full of troubles, that if we live a life that is God-honoring, that is godly in this life, that we will suffer persecution. He said, if, they, if the world hates you, know that it first hated me. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So remember, Christian, every child of God in this place, every single person in who has repented of their sin, who has surrendered their life and given control over their life, trusting Jesus Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, trusting him alone for salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. If you've done that, you're born again in this place. You know that 100%. Remember this this morning, Christian. This is not heaven. This is not heaven. 
And so while we try to live our lives and, 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 and do everything we can do to make our lives happy on this earth, we need to remember there's nothing wrong with being, having blessings. God gives us blessings. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the, the, the happiness that comes along with circumstances. But it's greater to choose to abide in the joy that comes from the Lord alone, even in the midst of trials. This is not heaven. We need to remember that. We're going to face all kinds of troubles, but we choose to live by faith and not by temporal ease. Well, I just want my life back to the way it was before 2020. I just want our country back the way that it was. I just want my family back. I just want this back. I just want this back. Again, there's nothing wrong with desiring a, a, a world, a nation, a life, a family that honors God. That's what God created, and I believe that's in God's design, and one day that will come to pass. But we have a choice to make, and that's why Scripture tells in Romans chapter 116, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Again, it's a choice we make every single day. I'm not going to worry about what's going on in the world. I'm not going to let the world, my emotions, my circumstances dictate or determine what I do and how I live for Christ in this world. I'm going to choose to live by faith regardless of how I feel. I'm going to live by faith regardless of what my circumstances are. I'm going to live by faith regardless of who's in the White House. I'm going to live by faith regardless of what is going on in the world and what wars and rumors of wars are swirling about. I'm going to choose to live by faith. And we live by faith. I believe the Bible tells us that we can live and operate and the love of God, 1 John chapter 4, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfecting in us, perfected in us. We know that having the love of God inside of us, the spirit of God inside of us brings perfect peace, the Bible says, especially with the people of God. It goes on to say in that same chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that there's no fear in love. And so if we have the love of God in us, if the, the presence of God in, is in us, then we have the love of God in us. And if the love of God is in us, then we know that there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So I'm really struggling with fear. Then I want to encourage you to abide in Christ. That's what he said. Uh, he said, I'm really struggling with anxiety and, 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 and worry and, and all these things. And I want to encourage you to abide in Christ, to abide in the perfect love that God has placed in you. Because perfect love casts out fear. There's nothing now to fear, the Bible says. There's, there's nothing in, in, in our lives now to fear. But with everything, we should face it with prayer. It says, don't be anxious for anything. Don't fear anything brings up the second point in our notes that we can glean from this first church. Don't live life fearfully. Live life fearing God. Don't live life fearfully. Live life fearing God. I want to encourage you, if you're making a decision in your life, no matter what it is, and it's based off of anxiety, worry, or fear, you should think twice. You should think twice. The Bible says that whatever is not sin, I mean, whatever is not faith is sin. And we have not been made perfect in fear. 
We have not been made perfect in anxiety. We have not been made perfect in worry. We've been made perfect in love, and perfect love casts out fear. This first church wasn't living in fear of man, but they lived fearing God. And that's what drove them, that's what drove their actions, their thoughts, their speech, and, I, and I, again, I think it still should drive the church of Jesus Christ still today. Why are you making the decisions you're making? Why are you doing what you're doing for your family, at your job, for anything in your life? Why are you doing what you're doing? Well, I'm just afraid, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I don't know that I would do it like that. Based on God's word. Well, I just worry, wait, 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 hang on. Pray about it. Turn to God. The Bible says that he gives a peace that passes all understanding. The Bible says that he gives a peace that is supposed to sit as a governor in our life. It's supposed to be the thing. The peace of God is supposed to be ruling in our lives. It says that. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In Colossians chapter 3. And so we should understand our lives should, like the first church, be governed by our fear of God. Not because of fear itself. Not because of what we're worried about. Are anxious about in this life. Again, I mentioned a while ago in Matthew chapter 10, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You say, what if this happens? What if this nation, what if this nuclear weapon, what if this happens? Listen, I want to encourage you, read Matthew chapter 24 and 25. It's going to get worse. In the, the Bible says this world is going to continue to get worse. There are going to be wars and rumors of war. There is going to be this time at the end of time. The Bible says, Jesus said, that it will increase like a woman giving birth. Labor pains. So it's vital that we operate in the fear of God. The Bible tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I think that we can all agree, man, you... I don't know about you, but I have seen some weird, and I'm just going to say it, dumb stuff in our world recently. You, you see it and you're like, what on earth? What in the world? Why in the world does this make sense? And why in the world? And I guess some of it is like, it goes viral because it is dumb. But with so much foolishness in our world today, just an objective view would lead you to believe that this fear of God has been neglected, even by the people of God. Even Christians operating in foolishness and fear versus fearing God. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Do do you really fear God more? Do you? Do you fear God more than you fear anything in this world? Do you have greater reverence for God than you do for anything or anyone in this world? Again, there's a lot of times that we bow to this world, a lot of times that we cave to this world, a lot of times that we have worry, fear, anxiety if we don't do something in this world versus being governed by a reverence and fear of God. 
And I'm, my prayer is that as a church, as, as the people of God, not only in this church, but in this nation across the globe, that we would have a reverence for God that increases in the last days. The Bible says that the love of many in the last days will grow colder and colder, will wax colder and colder. It says that, that evil will abound and righteousness will abound. It, it says that they're going to say that, that good is evil and evil is good. And we are living in that world and it's increasing and more and more every day. So I pray that our fear, our reverence of God increases. Chapter 12, verse 5 in our text, it says that Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant worry and anxiety was lived in for him by the church. It's not what it says, does it? James is martyred. Peter's in prison. The leaders of the church are going down. Herod sees an inroad to more popularity with the Jews, therefore more popularity with Rome. And so there's no reason they have to believe that he's going to stop at Peter. He got James, he killed him. He got Peter, he's in prison. And he had determined that he was going to put him to death. He just couldn't during this time of feast. So again, the church, the people, the, the, the workers, the singers, the servers, all the people involved in the church had every reason to believe that it wasn't going to stop with just two apostles, that it would go through every apostle and find every single Christian, every single church member that it could until they were wiped out. So they had every reason in their life to understand, look, this may be it for us. It may be this pandemic. It may be this king. It may be this time. But we fear God more than we fear anything in this world or anyone in this world. Peter was kept in prison. He was going to die. That's what they knew. It was going to happen. They had every reason to believe it. But instead of worrying and fearing and operating in emotion and becoming hyper-emotional, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Man, again, to God, to God that we would be like this first church. When things come our way, when trials, when tribulation, when persecution, when death, when anything is, is staring us down and threatening our lives as the church or as people, period, that we would turn as the first church did. How encouraging for, for, for this leader, this pastor in this church. To know that as he's in prison, to know that, that, that this may be it for me. To know that the church was praying for him. They weren't picking each other apart. Why'd you, did you know that Peter was going to go there? Why do you say something? Why, why didn't you get, uh, well, well, so-and-so was over there and they were, they were doing this instead of doing that. And they were supposed to be doing this instead of picking each other apart as a church. Instead of picking Peter apart as a leader. Why'd Peter do that? He could have done this. He didn't have to go and do that. Now what are we going to do? He had the plans for this and that. What are we going to do now? Instead of picking each other apart or picking the leader apart, they were praying together. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. It's a lot easier, right? Nothing's new under the sun right now. We have a hard time telling somebody how we feel to their face, but we can get on Facebook and passively aggress, right? 
Right? Amen. amen. That should be a resounding amen. It's easy. It's a lot easier. I can put it on Facebook. Mmm, this feels good. Mm-mm-mm. And they will know. I'll put no names. Instead of going to that person, say, hey, I'm upset. This bothered me. Can we make this right? That's what Jesus said, right? Go make it right. Don't go tell them. Don't go tell them. Don't let Mark Zuckerberg, whatever his name is, be your feelings filter. Take it to the Lord in prayer and take it to the person in love. He says, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who is suspect of us walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. That's not where it's at. He would tell the Ephesian believers like this, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood. The war with, is not with each other. The war is not with, with you. That there's an enemy, there's an adversary. It's very clear in Scripture who the enemy and adversary is. Yes, he loves to use people. God uses people. That's why Paul would tell the Romans, Ro- Romans, <laughs> Roman, Romans, to yield your members as instruments of righteousness of, uh, unto God. Don't yield your members, don't yield your bodies as instruments, as, uh, instruments of unrighteousness to sin again. And so though we walk in the flesh, we realize we're not waging war according to the flesh because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but having divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought, every thought, every worry, every fear, we take everything captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This first church said, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to deal with our leader, our pastor in prison? What are we going to do? We can blame each other. We can pick at each other. We can gossip about each other. Or we can pray for him together. Because they knew the weapons of their warfare were not carnal. Verse 6, when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. Isn't that interesting? Little nuggets in Scripture. Peter was sleeping. He had every reason to believe he was going to die. But God had given him rest. God had given him peace. In the midst of the prison, in the midst of the trial, in the middle of a dungeon, on death row, he had peace. The peace of God. And it wasn't a comfy place. This was death row. He was bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards outside the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side. I love the Bible. I love these things. Like, you would think that just the presence of the angel uh, of the Lord, just the, or, or this angel, uh, yeah, the angel of the Lord, standing by him would wake him up. That's some deep sleep. That's some good peace right there that he's experiencing. So he struck Peter on the side. I don't know if he kicked him. I don't know if he hit him. I, I don't know what it says. He struck him on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, What would you? 
Put yourself in that situation, right? An angel wakes you up. I've never had that happen before. Angel wakes you up, and you start to get up, and your chains just fall off. You're like, oh. And he says, hey, gird yourself, put on your sandals. Would you not ask questions? Would you be like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> What's going on? No, he just did it. Said to him, put on your garment, follow me. So went out and followed him, did not know that what was done by the angel was real. Amen. But thought that he was seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. Which I, 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 would, I mean, that's what you, if you've never experienced something like this, but Peter had. But he still was thinking, man, this has got to be a dream. And when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, which is interesting. It's automate in the Greek. This is where we get, hear it again, automate, automate. It opened to them of its own accord automatically. Isn't that cool? Technology today. Alexa can do a lot of things. Siri too, but this is pretty cool. This is, this is first century technology right here. Automatically. They went out and went down one street. Immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, thought about it, he came to the house of Mary. This was the mother of John, whose surname is Mark. Uh, this is where we get introduced to John Mark. Look at this right here. Where many were gathered together praying. This was not a small little prayer service for the church. This was not just a small group of people uh, getting together and saying, hey. No, this was the church gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. Here we go. This gets funny too. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. <laughs> right? He, he just got out of prison. Like he would like to be in, in the midst of a house, safe, secure, with the church praying. And, and this Rhoda girl, she knew who Peter was, obviously, just by hearing his voice. She's so elated, she's so excited that Peter's outside that she doesn't even open the door. She doesn't let him in. Thank God he answered our prayers. Come in, Peter. No. She's like, woo! Runs inside, tells the whole church, Peter's outside. Good job, Rhoda. But they said to her, you're crazy, girl. That's the modern English version. You're, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, well, it's his angel. It's his messenger. It's not really him. Now, I have a little bit of this. Uh, somebody said this. We should, we should not think ill of the congregation's reluctance to accept the fact of Peter's miraculous re release. Rather than an act of unbelief, it was simply something beyond their range of expectation as to how God would deliver Peter, who was, they knew, slated for not only a public trial, but again, execution by the king. So besides Rhoda's erratic behavior, they go on to say, it suggests that she might have had a reputation for unreliability. <laughs> you are out of your mind again. Here she goes. You know anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. Especially don't nudge them. This incident may be noted, they say, notable for another reason. 
One related to our modern, poorly attended prayer meetings where more than those who actually attend would surely be welcome. This is the only occasion in history in which it was easier to get out of jail than into a prayer meeting. Verse 16, now Peter continued knocking. And they opened the door and saw him. They were astonished. They were, they were amazed. Their mind was blown. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James. And this was not James who was just murdered, of course. This was James, the brother of Jesus. And to the brethren, the rest of them. And, departed, and, and he departed and went to another place. They, I'm sorry, then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers, you think, about what had become of Peter. There were four squadron of soldiers keeping watch on him, and he's gone. How did this happen? But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there, which is a beautiful part of Israel there on the coast. And he said, I got to get out of here. This is driving me crazy. These people don't know what they're doing. Put these people to death. There's so much to cover there. The vital point that I want to bring up this morning, the last point is this. We should passionately pray for one another and not privately pick. It, it's quiet. We should passionately pray for one another and not privately pick. It's easy. It's super easy. Just this comment, just that comment, just this is what I think. If they would do this, it's so easy to privately pick. And it could just, it could just slip out and, and not really give a whole lot of thought about the damage that it does. But I want to remind you what James says is that the tongue is a world of iniquity. It's set on fire of hell. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can, you can build somebody up or you can tear somebody down. And it can be to their face or behind their back. But if you have something to say about somebody, you should say it to their face in love. You should not privately pick and you say, well, I, I just, I don't know that I have, I don't know if I'm in a place where I can tell them to their face. Then you need to passionately pray. And you need to keep passionately praying, even when you have that conversation. When you feel the need to pick, when you feel like you want to pick somebody apart, what they're doing, what they're not doing, how good of a job, how bad of a job, whatever the case may be, if you want to pick someone apart, Again, what you like, what you don't like. What they did to frustrate you, what they did to disappoint you, how they're not performing, whatever the case may be. When you feel that need, pray instead. Oh, but it feels so much better. It feels so much better just to tell somebody. That's right. It does. It feels good. Well, I'm just venting. I just want to encourage you, show me that in Scripture. Show me in Scripture where we have liberty to vent to someone else about somebody else. As I said a couple weeks ago to parents, if you're allowing sports or extracurricular activities or anything in this world to dictate, determine, to supplant, to supersede the things of God, up to and including the gathering of God's people, you're killing your kid's faith. You're going to have some parents that have the spiritual gumption and guts to tell the world that our faith is more important than anything you have to offer. We also need to have some people with some guts, some spiritual guts and some faith say, you know what, I'm not going to talk about them anymore. I'm going to pray about 
this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to God. I'm going to pray and not pick. I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm not just going to go off on my emotion. I'm not just going to go off my feelings. Even though it's easier to do this, even though it feels better to vent, even though it feels better to do these things, I am just simply going to take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm not going to sing the song. I'm going to live it out. We've talked about the effectiveness of prayer so many times. And not so much as the unbelief for the church that was gathered there. But the word in the Greek, existeme, means they were in wonder. They were, they were put in amazement at the work of God through prayer. That's what they did. When they saw Peter, they were existeme. They were in amazement at how God answered their prayer. Again, Peter was released before. He's released again. God does that. Have you ever experienced that before? Have you ever been so, so desperate, so fervent in prayer, so calling out to God about something, and then God does something, and you are just amazed at how he answered that prayer? I'm telling you over and over again, it's not me. I mean, I'm talking about even, even being a part of other people's prayers and hearing other people's prayers and how God has answered those prayers. It just sometimes puts you in amazement, like, wow, didn't see that coming. Wow, that's how it happened to them. This church was in fervent prayer for their leader. They were interceding for him. And instead of being torn apart on how they handled their present circumstances, which was their lives being on the line, they rallied together in prayer. Hey, church, you know what we can do? Instead of being torn apart with our present circumstances, we can rally together in prayer like the first church did. Instead of picking each other apart, we can passionately pray with and for each other. That person that has bothered you, has irritated you, has frustrated you, has let you down, disappointed you, that person that keeps getting on your nerves, are you praying for them passionately? I believe it's one of the reasons why the church will not experience revival until we learn to rally together and passionately pray for each other this won't happen and we've talked about the need and effectiveness of prayer we've also talked about the detriment of walking in the, the flesh and not in the spirit we've talked about unity and division in the last couple of weeks i said i mentioned how sad it is that it takes just simple things little things for the church to be divided, to pick each other apart privately, to blast each other publicly, all based on opinions or feelings that are from temporal circumstances. Church today isn't so much being torn apart in the weightier matters like doctrine and salvation, which there is still a great divide there, but this first church has witnessed the slaying of one of its leaders, James. They could have started blaming each other. They could have started tearing each other apart. And as it appeared that it would happen again with Peter, they rallied together in prayer. Maybe Peter spent that time praying himself. That's why he had peace. Maybe he thought about the words that Jesus told him in John 21. Truly, truly, I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and another will dress you and will carry you where you do not want to go. 
This first church knew they believed the words of God. They knew the example of the Lord. Who in his most desperate hour, what did he do? He prayed. And he asked his followers to pray. To stay sleepless in prayer. Their flesh overpowered them. Their submission, the obedience to his command, their flesh was weary. And that's exactly what he told them. That the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So having learned from him and their shortcomings, I believe that they fervently prayed for their leader here during this time. And again, it should be what we do still today. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Ephesians chapter 6, he would tell them, after he said this is the whole armor of God that you need to put on, that you don't wrestle with flesh and blood but against principalities. After all of this, he would say and, and, and pray for all saints, make, make supplication for all saints. And also for me, he said, this is Paul, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel in Colossians 4. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. I want to encourage you this morning. Let's take these points and apply them. Let's trust God. Let's fear God. Let's ensure that we are staying close together, even and especially in difficult times that we're living in. How? By praying for another, one another and not picking at it one another. Let's take these points and apply them. And if you're here today and you say, Man, I, I, I don't have a relationship, I don't, I'm not a part of the church, I'm not connected to the Lord like that, then I'm, I'm begging you as I prayed earlier, Please don't leave this place without knowing 100% for sure that you are going to spend eternity in heaven. Because I said a while ago, it can be a sickness, it can be a disease, it can be a tragic car accident. But we're not promised another day. We're not even promised tomorrow. And so if you don't have 100% assurance of where you'll spend eternity, I want to beg you to come forward during this invitation or stop by the Welcome Center afterward and say, hey, I need to know about going to heaven when I die. But for Christians, let's make sure and apply these points and live them out in our lives. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for what you do in our lives. Thank you for the example that we have in the first church. Thank you for, uh, again, these reminders, uh, even these challenges. Lord, it's so easy for us to give into our flesh. It's so easy uh, to live by our feelings because we live in temporal bodies that are uh, governed by a temporal world. And, and so, God, it, it takes a lot more spiritual discipline for us to, uh, to keep the flesh mortified to keep our thoughts and our inclinations our tendencies our our feelings our emotions in check and to operate in the spirit and to uh, to even face the battles to wage war in these temporal bodies in a spiritual way it's difficult lord and so i pray that you would start this morning and help us lord help us to uh, remember that you've given us spiritual weapons god you've given us your word you've given us prayer you've given us of course your holy spirit living inside of us and God, you've given us each other, the body, the building, the church that you're building, that it's your design. Lord, we have all these resources to face this battle in this world. And I pray that we would be wise enough to utilize those and not use what our flesh and the world offers to face them. Lord, I pray that you would just move now as we respond to your word, that you'd be glorified in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to invite you.